0: Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith shares today's message. Have you ever had a crisis in your life? Now, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean that, uh, that flat tire or, uh, or the cold that kept you awake last night, but I mean a crisis of the nightmare Reality when your when some one or more of your worst fears come true, what do you do when a crisis comes? You, someone once said, and many of us have said ever since, that all of us are either in the midst of a crisis, or we're about to go into one, or we've just come out of one. It, it is the nature of this life. So where do you turn in a crisis? How do you know what to do in a crisis? Because they are coming to us all. Well, as I thought about these things this week, I was reminded of uh, an incident in the Bible where a man found himself in the midst of an earth-shaking emergency. And uh, this story is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. So I want you to take your Bibles. I hope you have them. We use them every week. Uh, Your hard copy or your digital copy, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, fourth book of the New Testament. I want to make sure you get there. And here's what we find. This is God's Word. When they entered Galilee... The Galileans welcomed him because he had seen, because they had seen, everything he did in Jerusalem during the festival. For they also had gone to the festival. Now he's referring to the Passover festival, the first uh, uh, Passover that we see Jesus participate in, uh, in in this account of his his life, and uh, they had been there too. Then he, Jesus, went again to Cana of Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. There was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and heal his son for he was about to die. Jesus told him. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Sir, sir, the official said to him, come down before my boy dies. Go, Jesus told him, your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. While he was still going down, his slaves met him saying that his boy was alive. He asked him at what time he got better, yesterday at 7 in the morning. Most translations say in the seventh hour, which would have been 1 p.m. I kind of think they're correct. The fever left him. The father realized this was the very hour at which Jesus had told him, your son will live. Then he himself believed along with his whole household. So you see, after Jesus left Jerusalem, He traveled north. Remember, He had to go through Samaria. We studied this together a few weeks ago. And He stopped uh, outside a Samaritan village called Sychar where He met and had a major encounter of faith with a, a Samaritan woman at the well. He hung around two days in that village uh, teaching the the, the, uh, the citizens of Sychar, uh, after two days they left and traveled on to Galilee. Galilee was the home uh, region of uh, uh, of Jesus, home state, home area of Palestine, where he. He grew up and he was greeted. He was welcomed there. Everyone was excited uh, to see him because uh, many of the people knew Jesus. Many of the people literally grew up. He grew up in Nazareth there. Many people knew him personally. He would uh, spent the first 30 years of his life there uh, working as a carpenter. Many people knew him. Many other people knew about him. And uh, many knew of the, the miracle working activity, the teaching and the miracles of Jesus. Some of them had been in Jerusalem for the Passover worship festival. They had heard and seen uh, the teaching and the activity of Jesus, some of it miraculous uh, during that week. And so they were excited uh, that he was there. He traveled to one of the villages in Galilee called Cana. Now he'd been there before. Some of you will know that he had uh, attended a wedding, and at the wedding, Uh, reception, the wedding dinner, the wedding feast, he had performed his first recorded miracle. He turned the water into wine at the request of his mother uh, there. Well, that did not remain secret. People knew about that. People had talked about that. The word had spread, Uh, especially everyone in Cana most likely knew about it. Well, now, verse 46 says, in the meanwhile... Eighteen miles away on the road from Cana down to the Sea of Galilee was the city of Capernaum, beautiful city on the western northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Some of you have visited there. there was a royal official that meant a officer of the court. this was a um, this man was a uh, the Greek word is basilikos. it, it meant uh, ruler it meant powerful one. This guy was an officer of King Herod's court. Therefore, he was a person who had position. He was a person who had the power and prestige that came from uh, that position. He not only he had influence, he had affluence. He was wealthy as the, as the uh, political officials of the court of Herod uh, tended to be, tended to be wealthy. This man had everything he could ever want. He had everything he had ever wanted except one thing. His son was ill. His son was sick. Now, this boy didn't just have a little 24-hour stomach virus, Eric. He couldn't call a pediatrician. He'd call, he called the pediatrician on this one. This little boy was dying. A, he had contracted some illness that was seeping the life from him before the very eyes of his mother and father i mean the the energy of that little boy had faded into lethargy i mean the The perpetual motion of that little boy was now bedridden the, the His smile and laughter had been stifled into hollow-eyed. Silence, his ruddy complexion turned to pale paste. I mean, death reached out his clammy hands toward that little boy. And a, and a, and a deep darkness had settled over that father's life. I mean, they'd done all they could, they'd done everything they knew uh, to do. You know how that father felt? Many of you do. Pastor Kent Hughes, writing about this, wrote these words. I'm quoting him. He said, nothing can shatter us more quickly or more completely than the affliction falling upon our children. Nothing. Hearing the doctor's diagnosis, as I have, that your child has spinal meningitis, and then watching the doctor withdraw that huge hypodermic needle from your child's spine... Your life turns gray and you wander from lab to clinic to doctor feeling like a useless character in a story no one wants to hear. Thinking again and again and again, this cannot be happening. But this man had heard that Jesus had come to Galilee and was at Cana. And it gave him a glimmer of hope. He, he'd heard that he was only 18 miles away from Capernaum there in, in Cana. And he had just a little bit of hope because he'd heard of Jesus. And he'd heard about the miracle that he had performed at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. And he'd heard some of the stories of the miraculous healings that Jesus had already uh, performed in, in this early part of his uh, coming out, this, his public part of his ministry. Now, he didn't know the real identity of Jesus. He didn't know who he really was he had no idea uh, that he was the one that uh, the apostle john in chapter 1 of of his gospel said uh, that he was the one before the beginning in the beginning the word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh. He, he didn't know that He was, not, that he was God who would become flesh and dwelt among us. He didn't know that He was the Messiah. He didn't know He was the Savior. He didn't know He was the one bringing the kingdom of God near and launching the kingdom, the reign and rule of God in people's lives and over people's lives uh, in the present that continues all the way to where we live in the future. All He knew is that He was a miracle worker and it gave Him hope And uh, that was enough for him, Bill. Now, again, he was a wealthy man, so he did not have to travel by foot, most likely. Most likely, he had chariots. He at least had horses. I'm picturing, Steve, this guy jumping on a horse like at your house, best his best horse, and tearing out for Cana, 18 miles. Now, I I can only pick out a horse two out of three times, but those of you who have them tell me this week as I was researching this that a guy on a horse could pretty easily make that 18-mile ride from can- from Capernaum up to Cana in no more than four hours. No more than four hours. And he was there, and he found Jesus. Now it was easy to spot him because he was in the middle of the big crowd. He found him in the midst of all the looky-loos. All the people of Cana wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to see him. They would to touch him. Why? They they wanted to see him do some of his stuff. They wanted to see him. And here with all these people, this, this powerful political leader, wealthy, well-to-do, well-known, disregarded everyone else. He didn't care who heard. He was desperate. He came right into the presence of Jesus, and the Scriptures say he begged him to come down to Capernaum and heal his son. Now, that, that Greek word translated beg is, is in the, it's a word that's very powerful and it's in the, it's in the verb tense that implies continuous action. It's, he didn't just ask him to come down with him once. He pleaded and pleaded and pleaded and he begged and he begged and he begged and he implored and he implored and he implored uh, Jesus, come down to Capernaum and heal my son. I mean, we're talking a picture of desperation here. He was desperate. His life was hard. And so he turned... It's it's fascinating to me that he, even with his limited understanding of the identity of Jesus, he turned to him and begged him to come help in time of need. Where do you turn when life gets hard? Good. Because that's where I'm headed. Seriously. But now some of us Turn to ourselves, don't we? We're, we're Americans. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Don't need any help. I'm going to get this done. I can do this. Uh, some of us, the pain is so hard that we we turn to try to numb it or drown it. We Alcohol or drugs, we try to drown our sorrows, you know. And as one of my buddies said, he discovered that they could swim. It didn't work. Some of us turn to other people, which is not a bad thing thing to do we we reach out to help some of us turn bitter and become angry and then become angry at God and blame him for the crisis and do not turn to the one who could the only one who can really help us when a disaster comes and we don't get his help we don't seek his help uh, that's always counterproductive usually when we're mad at God we are misplacing our anger as well as wasting incredible time. It's a bad idea and a useless thing to be mad at God. He understands, but it's just a waste of time. Well, the proper and beneficial response is to do what this man did. When a compelling crisis comes, even even if our understanding of Jesus is limited, even if our understanding of Jesus is weak, even if our faith is misplaced and weak and feeble, take what feeble faith we have and come to Him. That's what this man did. And then in verse 48, Jesus responded. I got to tell you, I was shocked by his response. Here's this desperate man. And here's what Jesus said. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Uh, I thought that sounded a little harsh, Vicki. I thought that. Didn't that sound callous to you? Didn't that sound cold to you? Unless, you? unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. But it was not. What Jesus was doing here was actually something very good for this man and the other people around uh, who were witnessing all this. Jesus was actually helping this father and all the other people who were looking in to, uh, to grow into them the right kind of faith or they had a misplaced faith, they had a false faith, they had a useless faith. Because when a crisis comes, we need faith and we need the right kind of faith in the right kind of person. We need the right kind of faith and so it'll take us to Jesus in faith. But the first thing that Jesus did here when this man came and the others around him were there, he confronted the wrong kind of faith, sensational faith, faith in the sensational Faith in the dramatic. You see, all these people in Cana, they were following Jesus like He was some kind of religious sideshow at the state fair. Come, get your tickets here. See the dead raised to life. See the next dead raised to life. See see this appendage added. See this, see that. I mean, that that was the picture. Get your popcorn here before you go in. I mean, they were following Jesus like a religious sideshow. The sensational. Let's see him do his stuff. Let's see him do his stuff. Now, now, Jesus was a miracle worker. They did have that part right. But he was much more than that and is much more than that. Jesus did perform miracles, but he never performed miracles as an end unto themselves. He never did. He always performed miracles with an end in mind that is, to reveal to people His real identity. God come in the flesh, the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord of all, the the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through Him. He he did so to uh, help people see who He really was. But these people were missing that. These people were missing who Jesus really was. And so Jesus said to the man and them all, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe now we're kind we're we're like that aren't we we 're like that we We still today tend to be fascinated when it comes to matters of faith with the sensational with the spectacular, and so we easily fill up stadiums and theaters and watch television with all of kinds of outlandish uh, claims. I mean, we're fascinated with near reports of near-death experiences and visions of God. We're fascinated with people who leave here and go to heaven and come back to a book deal and write about it and make movies. We're fascinated with stories of angels hitchhiking and then disappearing in weird fashion from the back seats of automobiles uh, with visions of the Virgin Mary in a pasture outside of Conyers. We're fascinated with those kind of things. Or, or did you hear the other day? There was the sign of the cross formed by two leftover waffle fries at Chick-fil-A at Kedron. Do you, need, do you need that? Do you need that kind of stuff to cause you to come to Christ, to know Him, to follow Him? Jesus says that is inadequate. That that's the wrong kind of faith. I had a friend growing up who used to say to me and his brother, I would believe in God if he would just let me see him or show me some kind of miraculous sign. That is inadequate. Pastor Kent Hughes continues to write here. He says, the point of of the powerful acts of the Lord Jesus in our lives today are intended to help us know Jesus himself. Jesus was not putting down signs and miracles because he was, in fact, going to heal the man's son. But that sign had a purpose. It would lead the man to faith in Jesus, we will see in a moment. So when a crisis comes, we have to go beyond thinking about miracles and the sensational and think more about the Lord Jesus and His Word. Well, this father, this royal official, was not deterred by the words of Jesus here. also. Neither did he deny the charge that he himself and all these other people in the crowd were were looking more for signs and wonders than they were for the Lord Jesus himself. He apparently understood perfectly the words that the Lord spoke and he understood them as an act of grace to help grow in him the right kind of faith. For life, for when life is in a, in a crisis and when it is not as well. Because listen in verse 49, here's the man's response. He was not deterred. He, he asked one more time, Sir, come down before my boy dies. He kept on beseeching Jesus. He kept on praying. So what do you do in a crisis? We, we come to Jesus with the right kind of faith and we pray to Him and we keep on praying and we do not We do not stop. Another famous father in the Bible, King David, was compelled to come to God when his infant son was sick and dying and and did eventually die. And he kept praying and he told his servants to pray. He said, here's why. Who knows? God may be gracious. Jesus in Luke chapter 18 verse 1 told his disciples that they should always pray, Carol, and never give up. Always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. In in Matthew chapter seven, verses seven and eight, the famous passage out of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus talked about this persistence in prayer: ask, seek, knock. Once again, these verbs are in the in, in the Greek tense of the present tense, which means present action that continues uh, uh, indefinitely into the future. And so, what he's saying here is ask. And keep on asking and it will be given you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. He to, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying until the crisis is resolved or the situation ends, whether it ends in deliverance or maybe an outcome that we don't get. But don't, don't stop praying. And then Jesus in verse 50 turned to the man and he said, Go, your son will live. Your son will live. Now, look, notice here, Jesus partially denied the man's request and he partially granted the man's request. He denied it in the sense that he did not go with him to Capernaum. The man said, Come down, come with me to Capernaum. He did not go to Capernaum, but he did heal the man's son. Go, your son will live. Notice that he said, Go, your son will live, but he gave him no miraculous sign. He said, Just to, just to give you confidence, let me do something, some of my stuff. Mm-mm, he didn't. He gave him his word. And the father looked at Jesus and heard what he said, and he took him at his word, and he departed, the Scriptures say. He believed in Jesus. You see, when it comes to faith in Jesus, uh, we say in our cultures, I'll believe it when I see it. Jesus says, you'll see it when you believe it. Believing is seeing. Believing is seeing when it comes to faith in Jesus. And he went on his way. And so verse 51 says, while he was on his way... Back to Capernaum, he met his slaves coming. Well, they didn't know what had gone on. All they knew is their master left. I'm going to Cana. There's this guy, Jesus. They witnessed the healing of the little boy. He had been made well. They were so excited that at least some of them took, took off up the road to go tell him the good news. Your little, your son is well. He is healed. And, and so he met them on the way back and he said them, He said to them, uh, what time did he get better? Now, what's the next word in that verse, 52? He asked him what time he got better. What's the next word? Okay, did you not really bring your Bible? Are you not looking at this? Okay, what is it? Yesterday. Now, that word put the brakes on for me here. So wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute yesterday at 1 p.m. the fever left him now again assuming this is a wealthy man he's either got a chariot or a horse if i had been with jesus and i'd believed it he said go your son your son will be made well <gasps> i'd want to know wouldn't you i mean i'd got on that horse if it's one in the afternoon 4 hours max ride I'd been, I'd, he'd been home by 5 o'clock that same day and seen for himself. It's the next day when he's on the road back. Where'd all that urgency go? Where'd all that panic go? Where'd all that harried, hurried, oh dear me go? It went right out the window because he had peace with Jesus. He had peace. He believed he took him. At His Word, evidently, he hung around the rest of the day with Jesus and got up the next day and started his ride home. I'd say he had a lot of confidence in the Word of Christ. Yesterday, about 1 p.m., you see, he took Jesus at His Word, and this is the difference that the right kind of faith in Jesus makes in us. When our world is falling apart, we do not. Now there you go. And the world may fall apart, but knowing Him rightly, we will not. He will sustain us. He will sustain us. This father realized this, and then, I like this, he himself believed along with his whole household. The entire household believed that Jesus was Lord, not just a miracle worker, but that who he claimed to be, the Messiah, the Lord, the Lord God, the Savior, the one who was ushering in the, uh, the favorable year of the Lord, as the Scriptures say. The, the day of salvation, the kingdom of God has drawn near. It has begun. Uh, they, they all believed. He believed. His wife believed. Evidently, his little boy when he believed. Later on, and probably all of his servants, all of the slaves, all of the people in his household, they came to faith in Christ. This is the kind of faith that Jesus wanted to grow in this man and he he used a terrible crisis to do it. So when, when crises come, when trials come, when disasters come, when problems come, when when difficult circumstances grab us by the throat and throw us to the ground, we will grow in our faith and we will be sustained in it if we do what this man did, turn to the Word of God. Jesus was the living Word. Turn to the Word of God, believe it, and act upon it. We turn to God's Word, we believe it, and we do what He says in His Word. Jesus grows the kind of faith in you and me that we must have in the midst of a crisis, and He does it two ways. First of all, He does it by His Word by His Word, by Bible intake. This man, this father, heard the literal Word of Christ. We have it in the Scriptures, the inspired Word of God. Listen to this, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, speaking of growing our faith, says this, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, the Scriptures say, Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. Richly dwell within you. Now look at me. This is why every week when whoever's preaching gets up here, we say, turn in your Bibles to whatever passage it is. We'll say, take your Bibles. I I hope... If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, take your hard copy or your digital copy. Some of you say that under your breath every week when I get up. There's a reason I say that every week is you need it. You need this. Why, we're going to use it. You've got to have Bible intake. That's why three years ago we spent 40 days as a church called 40 Days in the Word teaching you to reflect on the Scriptures for yourself, to feed yourself. That's why I beg you to be consistently systematically reading through the Bible from cover to cover. Whether you can do it in 1 year or you get on a pace of 2 years or 3 years or 5 years doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's not a race to see when you can finish. It is a journey to have your faith built by Christ through his word. That's how it comes. Listen, you can't afford to wait until the crisis comes to have The right kind of faith in your heart. You might not make it. I recommend, a crisis is coming. I recommend you get ready ahead of time. And you do that by Bible intake. You do that by hearing it. You do that by reading it. You do that by studying it on your own. You do that by meditating on the, the, the passages a little bit every day by getting in your life group and studying the Scriptures together by coming to these worship services and unpacking the Scriptures together and taking notes. Some of you, how many of you got a Bible you can't write in? How many of you got a Bible you can't write in? Well, then throw that one away and get one you can write in. And I mean write notes and write what God has to say to you and memorize vast portions of the Scriptures because as you do, He grows your soul. He works His very life into you. He increases your faith in Him so that when life falls apart, you do not. You do not. And the second way He grows our faith is as we trust Him in our suffering. Now, he said, why does He do it that way, Pastor? I don't know. And maybe we would vote that he'd pick another method. But evidently he decided this was good. It's what we under those of us who know Christ understand when we see Romans eight twenty eight. We don't say it, we don't read it flippantly, we don't speak it flippantly. But it says all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. We trust that even when tragedy comes, He is so powerful that He will somehow take that great pain and grow our faith and make us more like Him. And make us more like Him. So we're going to cry out to Him now. Pray faith-sized prayers, trusting in the Word of God, acting on them when the crisis comes. Now, we've got about 20 minutes left in this service, and we're going to move into a time of prayer. I've asked our pastors and our staff members and our elders and some of our Stephen ministers, our prayer team, who are in this service to come. You you take your places now. Spread out across the front of this auditorium. If there's too many of you, would you... Some of you get in the back of the room against the wall there, some down the side over here. We need some of you in the balcony uh, to be available for people to pray. These, uh, these men and women are going to be here and available to pray uh, with you and for you. And, um, because sometimes when you're in a crisis, some of you are in a crisis, some of you are just come out of one, some of you can see one on the horizon, and you're, you're coming. And um, so, you may need prayer. When you're in a crisis, sometimes you can't form words. You need somebody to pray for you. So in just a second, I'm going to open up this time of prayer. And when I do, just get up from where you're seated, come to one of these men or women, and here's what they'll do. They'll say, tell me how I can pray for you. How can I pray for you? You tell them, and then they'll just pray for you. They'll just pray for you. Some of you are a little nervous about this, so some of you with a little more guts, just get up and break the ice, come to someone for prayer, and that'll give everybody else permission to do the same thing. The Scriptures say, God says in the book of Hebrews, Come boldly before my throne of grace that you may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Some of you need mercy. You need God's mercy of salvation. So in this prayer time, come repenting of your sin and placing your active trust in Jesus and what He accomplished when He died on the cross and rose from the dead to become a Christian, to be saved, to receive His gift of eternal life. Some of you need His saving mercy. Start there. Others of you need grace to help in time of need, in the time of crisis. Ask for His grace. I'm going to open our prayer time, then you come. Lord, thank You that uh, You have made a way for us to come directly to You. Help us now as we do, as we pray. Amen. Now you come. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword Dogwood to 779-77 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and more.